Hey everybody, it's Emily here to talk to you about Adam and Eve. Spring is in the air, but is it in your step? Is it in your bed? If you're interested in better sex starting now, go to adamandeve.com. They've got toys, lingerie, accessories, everything you need to level up your pleasure checks. And right now, Adam and Eve is offering 50% off just about any item, plus free shipping, which includes rush processing. That's discreet shipping, plus 100% free shipping with rush processing on your entire order. Doesn't matter how much you spend or what you buy, all will be packaged and sent discreetly free and fast. So just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy or anything you desire. Just enter offer code PAWPAW at checkout. That's PAWPAW, P-A-W-P-A-W at adamandeve.com. This is an exclusive offer specific to this podcast, so be sure to use code PAWPAW to get your discount, 100% free shipping, and get it fast with rush processing. Code P-A-W-P-A-W. Goodbye, sweeties. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome to Behind the Screens, everybody. Boom. That's the screen <laughs> That's the sound of the screen freaking it's, falling down. It's right not behind like, you, dun, dun. though, because you're behind it. Yeah, well, actually, no, this is... <laughs> That's you squeaking behind the screen with your little with your little shoesies on the basketball court. We're playing on a basketball court. You gotta understand your shoes are squeaking behind the screen. Behind the screen of like the basketball net, dude. The the back no, okay. Picture if you will. If you're acting like Caldwell's crazy right now, but you are fully being the insane. Caldwell's insane. Are you setting up? How hard is it to understand? Okay. We're teeny little people, okay? We're teeny little people. I got you on that. On a huge basketball court. Oh, no. A giant DM screen falls down on the basketball court, and we squeak behind it. <laughs> Are we understand? worried that we're going to get caught? Yeah. <laughs> we're worried that we're going to get caught sneaking behind. Are we trying to steal something? We're what trying we to look at the DM's notes because it's behind the screen. Whoa. Did we used to be big? Are we cursed? We used to be, no, the DM is big because the DM is big in our minds. Is this like a Trolls and Bergen situation? Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, we're little doozers. Murph saying the most insane shit with it's like normal. the exasperation. <laughs> Stay on my level, everybody, okay? Um, are our shoes squeaking or are we squeaking because we're so the small? The shoes are squeaking. Okay. And if you were right. very far away, yeah. we would squeak because we're so small. Okay, so I let's, let's get the intro clean. Squeaky shoes. Yeah, Wait, that's what I'm saying. I was just trying to give that squeaky shoe, <laughs> squeaky shoe feeling. I'm just wearing a squeaky shoe. I'm uh-huh. be honest. Yeah, a pure rubber shoe. Uh, anyway, uh-huh. uh, so uh, we are going to be doing a, another behind the screens, sort of hearthside chat esque. We're just mm-hmm. answering um, your questions, yes. and we thought Murph did a stream for the Patreon last month that mm-hmm. was. Uh, DM tips yeah. and questions and Murph really enjoyed it so we said let's let's yeah, do it people, let's yeah. do it for the feed it seems like people had a lot of questions about DMing they liked the stream and were like hey we don't have Jake and doing kind of a DM Q&A thing would mm-hmm. kind of leave him out of it but he's out of it anyway so let's let's plow yeah. forward all right, right. All right, let's get the plows all yoked. It's yeah, just the three DMs. Let's, it's just the three DMs. <laughs> <laughs> three little DMs on a basketball court. Ah! 
squeakiest of shoes. Squeak, squeak, squeak. Okay, I've separated them all into different sections, but we're going to kick it off real simple with a little section called Prep Talk, um, which is actually a play on Pep Talk. Oh. I realize that it sounds really normal, yep. um, it's all, it's all but they're going to get way court. more batshit than that, so okay. I want you to set you up for the expectation okay. of get it. these titles not making sense. It's not meal prep TikTok. It's Prep Talk. <laughs> prep Talk. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> this one just feels appropriate. Trey said, I would love to know what you literally have behind the screen. Ooh, wow. They, they were asking more like, how, and how you keep track of all the strings and the story you make. But I also want to expand that to, what do you, like, what are you drinking back there? Do you have any little emotional support tchotchkes? What is literally behind your screen? I'll kick it off, please. Okay, so I've got, I've got my screen, mm-hmm. I've got laptop, I've got notebook actually. I actually oh. prefer to take quick notes on a notebook just because I I use the um, laptop screen as a reference point for NPCs, what they know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's sort of set in stone. My laptop is almost like a book. And then sometimes I'll use the book to um, look up things online if I forget, you know, <laughs> right. much like you do with books. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll use it as a reference. As a laptop. Uh, I'm losing the metaphor. I, the idea of you opening up a book like a laptop, yeah. like the other way around. <laughs> and then just putting it on a laptop stand and reading it like a maniac. Wow. Books are good for stuff other than appearing taller. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Laptop is kind of just uh, a book unless I need to look something up, then it becomes a laptop again. Um, then I've got my notebook to keep track of initiative and things like that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll have initiative sheets printed out that are blank. That'll be like one through <gasps> yes. 20. That's and then I'll put one. things, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just add in if somebody's got like a 24 or something, I could just pencil that in. I picked yeah. that up from you and I love that. Yeah, that's, that's an easy really thing because I feel like it makes it way easier to write everything down, especially yeah. when you're tracking mm-hmm. a bunch of NPCs and everything I am at the time. much more inexperienced and I have not ascended to that level and tracking initiative is baffling to me. And that <laughs> yeah. sounds like a one wonderful hack. I also print out my monsters. Mm-hmm. So anyone that they are definitely going to fight, like if we've just essentially left on a cliffhanger last episode and I know you're going to fight people, I yeah. for sure have those people. But then also like key NPCs that are like allies or there could be like a misunderstanding or mm-hmm. they might use an ability or something. I have them printed out as well. So I have them all printed out and oftentimes I'll roll damage for them. Nice. Yeah. Ahead of time just to make everything quicker. Mm-hmm. So, because uh, I, I think the fun part of rolling is like whether or not you get a nat 20 or whether or not you get a nat one. And the damage, like nobody needs to, unless it's it's really fun to hear like the jangling of like 10d6 or something like that. Yeah, I might yeah, leave yeah. that out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if it's just like a fire giant's going to hit you for like 3d8 plus eight or something like that, it's like, I don't need to do that math on yeah. camera yeah. or on audio. Yeah. I, can, I can do that ahead of time. So I've got written next to the weapon, the attack, the damages of several different attacks, and I cross them off as I use them. Uh-huh. Um, it's all random because I just go in order. I don't like pick a good one or something like that. Mm-hmm. So cross them off. So I've got those printed out stat sheets. I've got notebook for quick notes. I've got paper with printed out initiative order. I've got my laptop. I've got a Nalgene full of water. I definitely have a coffee. Mm-hmm. I've got a bunch of dice, and I think that's it. What about a picture of me? 
And then I've got a big picture of me and Emily on our wedding day. It's so big. The frame is enormous. Yeah, I've got a picture of my beautiful bride. Can I can I ask you another question? So, like, what you're talking about is having a lot of resources prepared for um, combat. If we're in a town, do you ever have, like, a sketched out sort of map of what the town is like? Yeah. So, I think now that we're so deep in a theater of the mind, at one point, I was drawing my maps of everywhere. Mm-hmm. And now I will kind of do that. But they can be a little bit more crude like i'll literally just like draw a big square and then just be like this section this is kind of where the rich people live and this section is kind of where the um religious district is or this is where the marketplace is or something like that so Mm -hmm. i will i might have a paper that is a reference point to if if people want to go somewhere or something like that but also a lot of that stuff's in just in my notes yeah okay and caldwell kicking it over to you of course what's Um, behind your screen mine is pretty much similar the only thing i will have is I like a table. Um, I like having um, some tables paper clipped up, whether it's like, you know, like random effects tables or like if there's any sort of hazard that's going to be playing into an episode. A lot of times if I have like a key NPC, I like to have things like paper clipped up. I like to have like a little oh, gallery wall going on mine. Yeah, paper clips, uh, post-it notes. I got a lot of just like things pinned and placed uh, just so, uh-huh. um, which is great because it's, I feel like I start that way and then like I'm a very frantic mover so they're all just getting knocked over and like crossed <laughs> aside as we go. One thing I like to do, and I was going to ask Murph about this, when I print my monsters, I put so much effort into this and it's so unnecessary. I like go into Photoshop, I'll like crop them specifically so I can get like all the information, try and squeeze as many onto one page as possible. Mm. What's your like, if you have like a homebrew monster, like what are you doing to like print oh, it Oh, interesting. Homebrew monster, sometimes I'll just type up their stuff in like a WordPad document mm-hmm. if like, and oftentimes I'll base them off if I'm like, oh, this is a special fire giant or something like that. It's like, I'll give them base fire giant stats and then mm-hmm. I'll be like, oh, maybe he's got two more strength or something. Sometimes I'll write those up in WordPad and sometimes I'll very sloppily just be like, here's a fire giant. I cross out, you know, 18 <laughs> AC and write 20 AC mm-hmm. uh, and do it like that. And mm-hmm. I also, when I print things out, I do, I don't use Photoshop. I just do, you can print out like layout style and do like six pages per piece of paper. Mm. And then I just print out like if, if I've got like a bunch of minions or something, I'll just print them all out on one thing. Minions, yeah, just, from, minions from Despicable Me, of course. I of course, yeah. feature them heavily in all of my campaigns. <laughs> I just copy paste into like a Word document and then that, that kind of formats it. I always prioritize having a picture. So for me, obviously, way less experience. I personally haven't DM'd in a year mm-hmm. was since whenever our last Hot Boy Summer thing was. But uh, the thing I focus on the most with Hot Boy Summer, because you guys are so agitated at all times, <laughs> I have a stack of monsters because I know that truly any interaction could turn could into, end a into a fight. fight. Go yeah. shower. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so like, I also don't like to use my laptop because screens kind of give me a headache yeah so i print out all my notes and then i also have a pile of monsters and i also always make sure that i have a picture of the monster Mm. because i feel like then when you're describing the monster you kind of just look at the picture and you're like okay this is what it looks like yeah Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. so you don't really have to put too much that sort of saves you prep time yeah one thing i did recently i got to run like a little like uh three shot sci-fi campaign for some friends uh Mm -hmm. and for this one i went all out and i drew pictures of some Uh, of the characters Awesome. Uh, and I found it was really fun to like 
have some paper clips in front of the DM screen, and yeah. whenever a new character came on, I would like oh. clip them up so that everyone could like look at the new character. I think that's really smart. We get a lot of questions about like making theater of the mind combat feel mm-hmm. exciting, and uh, one of my tips was going to be make sure everyone has a little mini of their character. Yeah. It sounds so silly, but mm. that really does kind of bring it to life. And having like little pictures, having everyone know what the bad guy that they're fighting looks like, mm-hmm. having like a visual aid like that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah I will say if you bring it to life, you know, most people are not playing for a show when you're doing a home game. It is fun to like slap down a map on the not not like a battle grid map, but just be like, this is the town you guys are in. Yeah, and like putting that down. And, just and that's just really fun that, for players. And there's there's actually a lot of resources online that would be like you could just print out a little a little map of the town that they're in. Mm-hmm. And if they're oh, fighting yeah. in the town square, you don't have to be putting their minis there, but everyone kind of has the idea. They might see a picture of a fountain on that little picture of yeah. the town and be like, oh, I want to try and do this thing on the fountain. Yeah. I'm going to steal an idea from my friend Raj, who is running a campaign for me right now. Just get a big orb. Get like a big orb okay. that can change colors. Whoa, and put uh, it in the middle of the table. Yeah. That's cool. So like if you're doing like theater of the mind, uh, it just makes like you can just change the mood real yeah. quick. Yeah. You can get music cued to it. Get an orb. Yeah, like, get an orb. Get, so much. get an orb. I, I also would say like theater of the minds, like if you're feeling like the battle is kind of like lagging, mm-hmm. a music change. A music yeah. change as always play like music. the next step, like if you're like, okay, the battle's kind of lagging. Cause it, it, they are going to battles are going to like feel a little cumbersome at times. That's just the nature of up and down of life. Uh, But (laughs) damn, that's so true. So true. I mean, I feel like if it's like you feel the spirits flagging, you could just be like, next time it's the bad guy's turn, do a music change and everyone will assume that some like it's getting kicked into higher gear, even if it's not. Yeah, (laughs) definitely playing music is like one thing I really miss about home. Like we don't get to play many home games, but it's so fun to put on a fun playlist. I was always putting on those Final Fantasy battle songs and stuff and it's really fun. And at least on like, at least on Spotify, there are so many just D&D playlists. Yeah, there's just playlists that'll just be like, playlist for battle, whatever. Like people have put together things that are like for sneak missions or for Mm -hmm. kind of whatever. Like you can find ambiance for whatever you need. I really liked your question, Emily, about like, a trinket or a knickknack or some sort of like. I wasn't sure if I, if oh, there's anything. Do yeah, you do, have do you anything? Guys have? I don't have something, but now I want something. Now I'm like, what would it be? Like, what should I get back there? Picture of Emily. Like really, yeah, probably. A picture yeah, of Emily, also a picture actually. of me and Murph on my on our wedding <laughs> <Yeah>. day. <laughs> It's not just that I need a picture of my of my bride. Everyone needs a picture it's of my bride. The picture of me and Marv on our wedding day is a potent magical item that gives you plus two to charisma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, what do I do in this situation? Hmm. Remember the power of love. That's right. <laughs> okay, moving on for a little more prep talk. Um, a couple of sort of similar questions. Mike asks, I like the way they phrase this. They say, What is the process for designing the world for your adventure? Because I like that because sometimes the word world building feels heavy, expectations too clump. So Mike says, what is the process for designing the world for your adventure? Zach Z says, hello, one and all. I'd love to get some advice on world building and where you start as far as forming the playground you play in. Do you start in the landscape itself or do you focus on the history and build from there? And similarly related, Corbin L writes, I have very little experience DMing and I was just wondering how you organize your notes 
And where do you start when lore building for your world? Mm. So we're kind of, I'm kind of just, these are all sort of in the vein of what's the first step? If you guys need a moment to think, I have like a real quick first off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. Let's go uh, off the top of your head. I know that for Hot Boy Summer, the first time I did it, I knew I wanted it to be oceanic, mm-hmm. underwater. Yeah. And there was a uh, there was an album. I think the artist is Seven Fields of Aphelion, Aphelion or something. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name. Oh, Keep the Ocean Inside. Yeah. It's all ambient and sounds very oceanic. So honestly, I just would listen to that to get me into the mood of thinking of watery worlds. Wow. So sometimes it could be as simple as like, this album sounds like how I want my campaign to feel. That can be a good first step. That's also so easy to share with your players too. To be like, this is kind of the vibe I'm going oh, for. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. true. I definitely never yeah, did that, that with you, you guys. You did not send that to us, but we got... We <laughs> it, also- it also was completely out of line with how you guys how played your characters. It. it was just helpful for me in terms of putting <laughs> right. me in the space of... Okay, what does it feel like to be underwater? What does it feel like to I think that's a I, I think that's really interesting. I, I think I kind of take a similar approach, maybe mm-hmm. less with like music and stuff, but I do start with whatever I actually want to play, like mm-hmm. whatever actual kind of scenarios I want to run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of almost starting with an idea of what I want to do in the micro and then almost build out from there. Like build mm-hmm. out the ah. macro by being like these are the kind of sessions I want to run. Yeah. This is, these are the kind of monsters I want to use. These are the kind of towns I want to have and everything. So what does that mean about, you know, the larger continent? What does that mean about the gods? Mm-hmm. What, what, is, what does that mean about, like, the overall That's vibe? That's really interesting advice because I read a lot of people saying, like, they're building so much in the macro that yeah. they're having a difficult time coming back down to the micro. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's interesting that your advice is like, no, start with the micro and let that inform the macro. Totally. I think, yeah, like start from the vibe. Uh, yeah, like, v- vibe is number one, honestly, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like if you want to play uh, like, you know, like a high fantasy campaign with a lot of like airships or something like that, if you want to be, you know, like zipping around in space or, uh, you know, like doing some sort of like smuggling uh, in like a medieval setting, just like mm-hmm. kind of like lock in on one thing like that, share that with your players. Even if you've got like just like an image, like you're building kind of a Pinterest board with your players where you're like, here's like the like image or like the video game or like the the song that inspired this. Share that and then start talking about characters while you're building like the encounters and like the, the first session. Yeah. I always like to have like two docs going simultaneously. Like, okay. There's like there's big brain doc and there's tiny brain doc. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Big Brain Doc is like the stuff that might never actually happen. It's like, you know, a timeline that's always shifting, like big world events and like thousands of years of backstory. It's the stuff that only comes out when somebody gets a nat 20 on a history check and you're like, oh shit, shit, shit. And then you switch gears. (laughs) Or someone asks a a question that you're not expecting or Mm -hmm. something. It's just like, yeah, you're going through and there's, you know, like Mm -hmm. kobolds hiding in some ruins. Just like, what are the ruins? What god was this? And you're like, oh no, oh, oh god. I just wanted cool, uh, I just wanted a cool setting for this fight with the kobolds. You know what it is? And this is like purely like Tears of the Kingdom brain rot coming in. Uh-huh. But it's like the, the big dock is like magma and then the small dock is like water and like when you pour okay. it, it's, it remains liquid and hot mm. until one of your players pours water all over yeah, it and then yeah, it turns yeah. into a big chunk of uh, igneous rock. Yeah, yeah. So mm. it's like ever shifting until a player makes mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah, until a player like yeah. grabs some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, I, I would bet that they're 
are people who do this very successfully that mm. start from maybe the macro and mm -hmm. then get into the micro. I think it depends on your process, but I would definitely yes. encourage you if you're if you're writing in and you're struggling because you've started from the big picture stuff, if mm -hmm. you're like, oh, who are my gods and what is the history of this world and what is every single you know different culture and town that lives in this world, mm -hmm. ultimately that stuff isn't going to affect most of your sessions. You yeah, know I mean? yeah. And it's it's easy to fall into that trap. Ultimately, it's you need to decide on kind of what level of technology your world is because mm. that dictates how you're going to run almost oh, every session. Okay. And and then we were talking about like vibe. It's just like, yeah. is this going to be something that's like gothic? Is this something yeah. that's horror? Is this something that's, you know, high fantasy mm -hmm. or whatever? It might be from being from a sketch and comedy background, but I do feel compelled towards like genre and in, like totally, informing totally. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think genre is very important. And it's also helpful because if you're sitting there and if you're just like, man, I don't know anything about my world. As soon as you decide, well, what if it was a steampunk world? Yeah. you already start picturing yeah. how a town might look. Yeah. Do you ever watch stuff that might inspire? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think I've said this on other when we've done like other hearth sides and stuff like that. The reason I like doing, you know, Final Fantasy slash like World of Warcraft type worlds is that they are so loose with what kind of technology they allow and everything. Uh -huh. It's yeah. just like, okay, yeah, uh, this thing is sort of a computer. And you know, if, <laughs> if I watch something that's sci-fi that I'm inspired by or something like that, I can put an element of that in, mm -hmm. even though a lot of the other stuff feels high fantasy. Like if you if you're like me and you find yourself being inspired by things that are kind of vastly different, yeah. you can accommodate that by making your world open to all kinds of different things. So I'm going to bring it back to Zach Z's question. They say, do you start with the landscape itself? How much do hmm. either of you consider landscape or flora or fauna when you're planning? It's also, I think it would be different for everyone. For yeah. me, it's like one of the first things. Yeah, gotta, yeah. But I also think that I also think that's not true for most people. I think what you're saying speaks to like it, it's a good piece of advice. It's like you're talking a lot about music and you love plants and you know a lot about all of that stuff. And I think like following the things that you're passionate about yeah, yeah. is always going to be more fun. So if you mm -hmm. are one of those people that are like, the most fun thing about DMing for me is to build my pantheon. I then love you should doing do that. that type of thing. Yeah. Then you should do that. There's kind of no wrong way to do it. But if you're finding yourself frustrated, you should just do what's fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, I would say for me, I think I get the landscape via picking the genre or, mm, cool, cool. you know, and you'll see in the Bohemia campaigns generally, it's kind of like town to town. It all does feel like it's in the same world, but it is like slightly different genres each time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of what I'm what I'm feeling at the moment. I think it comes from like uh, the video gaming background, it's, which is what draws a lot of people into this yeah. hobby, mm -hmm. which is that like there's nothing better than when you go into like a new area in a video game and like the camera like pans up and then you get that like big ornate font with like the name of the city yeah. and then like a little subtitle yeah. about like what the city's whole deal is. Yeah. Trino, the city of night. <laughs> <laughs> the ever rainy city it's good shit yeah that's so sick mm -hmm. yeah um, I, I think i think too you know 
people might feel that they don't want to be inspired by video games or something mm -hmm. that they want to be like like my world has integrity i only mm -hmm. want to be inspired by myths and stuff and i want this to be like a tolkien world and stuff and i think if the things that get you excited are things like video game worlds and mm -hmm. stuff and things that maybe, you know, on the surface are a little bit more cartoony or something. It's like, there's no shame in that. That stuff's all cool and makes for really fun games. Yeah. Those are, you know, they're games. Yeah. Since we're talking about cities, let's get to a little section I'm calling Nitty Gritty of the City. <laughs> uh, Zach W. says, I'm getting ready to start a new campaign with four players. First time really world building. So I'm wondering how much planning goes into cities and governments well, in the real world a lot <laughs> <laughs> i think they mean for your D, &D campaign right yeah <laughs> i guess like right off the bat um this is a situation where like until somebody pokes the hole you don't have to start worrying about it yeah mm -hmm. well the yeah, thing I with think... cities and towns and stuff is you do have to kind of build you you kind of had to build out the greater area mm -hmm. that your players are actually in mm -hmm. you probably you don't need to build in the whole you know continent or whatever right away right but with like a city or something, somebody can be just like, I want to go and uh, I want to go to the castle or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, your you kind of have throw. to know the. It's helpful to know the basic, like, okay, like if they get rowdy, who's going to throw them in jail? Sure, if yeah. They, mm -hmm. If they're if they need to beseech the highest power in this town, who is the highest power in this town? Is it a king? Is it a baron? Is it a druidic hierophant? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of resources for this kind of stuff online. And one of the easiest ways to do it is just look up, just literally Google image search D&D uh, &D city map. What? And you will start seeing themes that pop up over and over again. Yeah. You basically, you want like some kind of like government buildings and things like that. You want some kind of area for like religious worship and things like that. Mm -hmm. You probably want an area that's like the marketplace. Mm -hmm. You want an area that's going to be like, guards and the barracks and things like that mm -hmm. um you want where people of different economic classes live you want like yeah. an area where like the rich people are all living and stuff like that with like estates and everything and then maybe like more packed together houses where kind of your normal everyday folks are living in the city yeah. um and i think that's like kind of the simplest way to start it and in terms of layout I think if you look at all these maps, you'll kind of see. That's a good, yeah, that's yeah, good yeah. advice to be like, just Google it and it it will get your juices flowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see things like <laughs> over and over again that uh, it just starts to click at a certain point where yeah. you're like, this is kind of how these little fantasy cities uh, tend to work. So Paul L, similarly to that, uh, writes, hello, wife worms and yogany yawns, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. Uh, long time listener, relatively new player. My DM has recently expressed that he only DMs so that he can play because no one else wants Aww. to DM. But misses being a PC, I want to try my hand at a few one yes. shots, Very but I have cool. no idea how to make a town or settlement feel real or lived in without over planning and creating dozens of background NPCs. Any advice would ooh, be appreciated. Ooh. I mean, this this winds back around to like uh, just describing the landscape a little bit. Mm -hmm. Just like you just need like one or two kind of nice 
chunky details. Mm-hmm. Just like something that will like kind of catch in people's mental craw and set this city apart. It's also yeah. always mm-hmm. fun to give a city like, hey, our city is built around X commerce. You know, yeah, like our, our city is built around mining this resource. That's a, so this that's- is a magical ore. How does that turn into, what is the manufacturing of this ore looks like? Right. Who's, in con- who's controlling this ore? What mm-hmm. are the repercussions of it? I'm glad you brought that up because that's something we should have brought up honestly with the last question because that's honestly like one of the biggest things Mm. that helps make your city feel alive is like why does this city exist why did they all gather here once you once you figure out essentially like one thing about it that's special you can then build out from there like if you're like okay we're in the middle of a desert or something and there's a magical city where there are wizards who create water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you, first off, that that instantly gives you images of, you know, waterfalls coming out of nowhere and everything. Mm-hmm. Very cool city. And then it also gives you fun stuff. It's just like, well, what are the implications of that? Maybe there's a bunch of rich people that are hoarding the water. Like mm-hmm. maybe there's an evil business that's not that's um, uh, damming all of the nearby rivers and's not letting uh, this magically conjured water get to anybody else. Mm-hmm. They also kind of say like um, they want to make it feel real and lived in without over planning and creating yeah. dozens of background NPCs. Because again, my experience is limited to Hot Boy Summer, but I know that one thing that I learned quick mm-hmm. with Hot Boy Summer is that they will not talk to the NPCs that you expect. <laughs> yeah, and true. So People you, get fixated on, you So know. I feel like you are going to have to create dozens of background NPCs. However, you can have dozens of ways that those NPCs have access to the same information that you're trying to get to your PC. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You could just build like six NPCs and then like give them names and like backstories and backgrounds as soon as they're needed. Like you have them yeah. kind of like have these like dummy NPCs waiting in the wings until somebody's like, I want to go to the magical water treatment plant. And yeah. you're like, okay. And you're like, great. Gerard would have been at the wa- wherever they were going to yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Just have like plug and play NPCs essentially. Uh-huh. It's Gerard like- is the mailman. He could be literally anywhere in this city. <laughs> yeah. Like, mailman's a good one. If you were supposed to have you know somebody in a cloak show up and be all serious and give them their quest but when they show up at the bar they're obsessed with the little goblin who's drinking too much or something it's just like you can just pivot and have the little goblin give them the quest yeah yeah. i mean you can a drunken goblin could have overheard this gossip Mm -hmm. of much more powerful magic users and be really excited to share it also you don't have to worry too much about really over planning because Mm -hmm. when you're playing a home game it's like just take a moment and if things are like a little sloppy it's everyone's just happy to play and if you have information and you have like an adventure to give to the party it doesn't really matter how well executed like the voices for the character or if the character has like a deep 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 backstory yeah yeah um, yeah you know, I, I think you don't that that's the kind of stuff that you don't need to overplan yeah. again like like our other advice look up town maps and stuff find things that are kind of similar start small don't build a full city just build a little town that also makes things way easier and then give it a little quirk same Mm -hmm. uh, with uh bohemia season one it was a fishing village uh and why was it special it has a trident that brings the fish to them and it's that simple other than that it's just a you know fishing village slap a quirk in there it could be as simple as just like 
Yeah. A weird glowy thing. Yeah, just mm-hmm. weird glowy thing. All right. I know Neverwinter in um uh the Forgotten Realm setting. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know too too much about it, but I believe one of the things about it is that it never gets cold there. It's literally never winter because there's mm-hmm. like fire elementals or something under the ground. Just like a cool quirk that yeah. you know, great. you could have not affect the city that mm-hmm. much, except that, you know, you go there and it's the middle of winter, but it's hot here. Just mm-hmm. a fun little quirk. Yeah. Uh, next up, we got Combatters Up. Okay. <laughs> uh, Combatters Up, okay. Combatters Up. <laughs> Great. Combat Not the other thing I was thinking Right, of. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Camden asks, as a DM, how do you handle multiple crits on your players? Sometimes my dice are rolling hot, and I recall a session where I rolled three to four nat 20s against my players while running Curse of Strahd, and I felt morale dip way down. Oui. How do you honor the dice and your players. I I feel like maybe we disagree on this, but like after the first two crits, maybe you just start lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say one of the one of the rare times that I would fudge my dice as a DM is if I don't know if I I guess if I like sat there critting over and over and over again in a way that seemed almost statistically impossible, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then I might be like, this is no fun at all. But another another way to kind of get out of it where you can keep the fun going and mm-hmm. keep it honest without having to fudge, which is what I do, and I, I learned this from Brennan because Brennan does this, is when things get really dire, you can start rolling in front of the table. Oh. And then if there's a crit, it's like there's that. Then exc- morale isn't down. Then morale because- isn't down because it's you're gambling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's excitement. So it's if it's like, okay, Strahd crit on the on the last turn. He's got this person grappled. He's gonna go for a bite. This is really bad. I'm gonna roll in front of the table. Yeah. That brings all the excitement mm-hmm. versus if you're sitting there and you're being like, uh, Strahd takes his claw attack. That's a crit. Uh, takes a second claw attack. That is also a crit. Yeah. And goes to grapple you. Yeah. That's a crit. Mm-hmm. Like, that's no fun at all. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm sure your players trust you, there might be some level of people being like, <laughs> are you trying to fuck with us? Are you trying to make your well, dude more I of a think badass? It, but I think it also, the dice becomes the villain then in that situation, yes. right? It's yeah. like, they're not. So if you're feeling like morale is dipping and like you're feeling like, oh my God, I'm letting down my players. No, it was the dice. Yeah. the the That's really good. The rolling, rolling in front of the table makes it so you are no longer accountable for your dice. You know what I mean? Like, I think maybe back when we first started, I might have been like, I've been critting too much. Maybe I'll turn this 20 into a 19. But at this point, I'm all just if I'm rolling too hot or if I'm if I'm like, okay, I'm going to roll for you guys. And on a one through a five, something bad's going to happen. I roll that shit in front of the table. That way it's fun for all of us. And it feels truly random because it is verse just casually being critted on sucks. I I haven't DM'd enough to really experience this beyond with Hot Boy Summer, like the most recent one, I kept critting specifically on Mac. Yeah. And yeah. and I definitely, it crossed my mind to lie. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely like me being like, and even in retrospect, I'm like, maybe I should have fucking negated one of those crits because it was feeling mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think kind of after you crit the first or the second time, if you're, if you're rolling mm-hmm. comically... But you're right. Good, if I had started yeah. being like, I'm going to roll everything, I'm gonna attack Mac. everything yeah. in, against Mac in mm-hmm. front of the board, then it would have felt less bad. Yeah. <laughs> I think and another th- thing you do in situations like this, Murph, is like we're like the dice are just 
purely favoring the DM is you'll like change your tactics. If it's a villain that's like smart enough to do this, you'll just have them like grab the person and point a knife at their neck and say like, I'm taking this person. Like if you all want to live, like you'll yeah, do what I yeah. say. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of like if you're, if you're, monsters are beating up your PCs. If it's somebody like Strahd, he might be smart enough to be like, I'm gonna let you guys live yeah. if this happens mm -hmm. or or if something, you know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you that's always... really good advice too. Mm -hmm. Is yeah. like is like raise the stakes without just killing them by being like, I'm gonna take one of your players. I'm gonna turn one of your players into a vampire. Yeah. I'm gonna Or just like go the full anime route and be like, You're not worth my time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that that would work. I'm imagining, I'm imagining an entire table getting to their fight with Strahd and then it just ending with him saying, you're not worth my time. Actually, I've got somewhere else to be. <laughs> this is, I was expecting a little more if Anime I'm being honest. Strahd. <laughs> um, speaking of rolling as a DM mm -hmm. uh, under the section NPC legs, uh, I've got Liz Not Liz writes, for Murph specifically as a fellow DM cursed by Dice Christ, uh -huh. do you ever worry about or account for a badass antagonist or a cool ally NPC not being as intimidating or helpful <laughs> as you all, hope? Because ha literally it happens all the time. Getting whomped can be fun, but I sometimes worry encounters aren't challenging or scary enough for my players when the roles are consistently not in my favor. Yeah, that's just kind of how it goes. That's why <laughs> all of my characters are fucking goofballs. I remember specifically, I mean, I think he, he was always kind of a joke, but I did want him to be a little bit more of a badass was um, there was that character, that blood hunter Isaac in um, oh, yeah. Eldermorn, oh, right. where Fia, or no, 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 it was uh, Zerk and Hank were mm. like briefly working with him, and you guys were pretty quickly just like, all right, dude. He just, <laughs> was, he just wasn't hitting enough. He just wasn't doing enough. And it's just like, I'm sorry. I can't roll good. It just doesn't. Well, it's always the problem with like NPCs sometimes too, where like the, the players are like talking amongst themselves. And then you'll kind of like forget that the NPC is there. Yeah. Hey, guys. <laughs> oh, oh, right. Forgot yeah. about you. So yeah, that you can always just play it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think in general... You know, I, it's not a, it's not a problem that an NPC you know isn't badass. It mm -hmm. ends up just being funny, and you kind of don't want NPCs to be that badass anyway because mm. you want the game to be about your players. Like so what we were talking about with Iffy, a super mm -hmm. badass. Yeah, NPC just having like just yeah. super die. <laughs> super badass NPCs showing up unless they're just there specifically to sacrifice themselves. <laughs> aren't always very interesting. Mm -hmm. Howdy, Nadpoles. Caldwell here. I'm recording this ad literally hours before going to the airport on a trip to visit some family in New York. And if you're wondering, no, I have not packed my bags yet. Packing stresses me the hell out because I have to do wardrobe math about how many shirts and pants and underwear to bring. And uh, let me tell you, folks, it, I always get it wrong and I always pack too much. That being said, there is one thing that always goes into my suitcase without a second thought, and that is my Raycon Everyday Earbuds. Raycon offers amazing audio quality at half the price of other premium audio brands. And Raycon's optimized gel tips are designed to fit comfortably in your ears and actually stay there. Which is good because it means I can go on a jog and not worry about them falling out and getting sucked into a sewer grate. Although I guess that's probably how the Ninja Turtles get their earbuds, so 
If some mutant creature living in the sewer happens to get them, I guess that wouldn't be too bad. But thanks to Raycon, it's not something I ever even need to concern myself with. So, if you're also going on a trip soon and are looking to bring along the perfect pair of earbuds, go to buyraycon.com slash pawpaw today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That is right, you're going to get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pawpaw. One more time, that's buyraycon.com slash pawpaw. All right, thanks for listening and have a great trip. Bye-bye. Hey everybody, it's Emily here to talk to you about Mint Mobile. It's spring cleaning. We're getting rid of the things that don't serve us anymore, and you know what doesn't serve anyone? Expensive phone bills. If you'd like to declutter your finances, it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash pawpaw. That's mintmobile.com slash pawpaw. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash P-A-W-P-A-W. $45 upfront payment minimum required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Goodbye, sweeties. Okay, well, let's keep it on NPC legs for a little bit. Um, We've got Brethren Blev writes, what's a good way to come up with interesting, friendly NPCs? I'm good at the evil and gray morality characters, but my flat-out good characters always fall flat in my game. A flat-out good NPC. I think, like, just somebody that either, like, has something to offer your party, somebody that, like, mm-hmm. wants to help. Yeah. Uh, like, just, like, let them, I mean, let your party walk all over them a little bit, I yeah. guess, is yeah. the way to do it. Much like we were talking about with, like, building a town or a city or something, like, mm-hmm. giving them, like, a funny quirk or yeah. something like, a, like that. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, the NPCs of yours, Murph, that we've latched on to. You it's guys mostly latched like, on to shitheads, honestly. Yeah, yeah, we do. I'm trying to think of, like, somebody like Jaina, for instance, is maybe, like, a, a more traditional, like, good character than, like, a Pendergreens mm-hmm. who's just an insane person. But, like, yeah. but Jaina has, Jaina's quirks are that she's very by the book in a funny way. Like she, uh, spoilers for end of campaign one, I would assume most people listening to this have heard campaign one. Um, But um, when she and Moonshine hook up, uh, Jaina (laughs) writes her like a thank you note. (laughs) (laughs) I think like you've landed on it. It's like you have to find which flavor of pathetic they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's something that even even the characters that are high status, there Mm -hmm. is like a low status thing about them or something like that. There's like a a funny human thing about them. So I think... It, an instinct could be just like I want all of my good guys to be these righteous, awesome warriors, and ultimately that's not very relatable. Or yeah. you know, and even I mean, you guys, I don't know how much your characters like him, but we <laughs> all like characters like Ren and stuff. That's just yeah. kind of a shithead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So having and you guys ended up having to work with him and stuff, and it's fun. They so. are. They do tend to be like the more fun NPCs to work with, anyways. Yeah, pe- mm-hmm. people who maybe aren't wouldn't 
be your friend, but you're on the same side in a specific conflict. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you have, even in um, Eldermorn, there was a character that there was Sewastian that was pretty similar yeah. to, to Ren, but he was the nicer version, was just kind of completely oblivious to how much wealth he had and stuff. And all he cared about was dressage. Mm-hmm. So he's just kind of, you know, kind of a strange dude, yeah. but ultimately was just like, do you want to live in my house? That's okay. Yeah. Just like somebody pathetic with something to offer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, I think Caldwell makes a good point of just like, you know, this isn't, this isn't real life where, you know, friendships aren't transactional, but in D and D, Friendships with NPCs are kind of transactional. This is fun for me to hear because when I th- when I think of NPCs for Hot Boy Summer, I've never once tried to make a good one. I, all <laughs> I'm ever trying to do is who will prod the group to f- start fighting with each that's other. O- that's ultimately like they're you know every <laughs> we're all telling a story you guys together. Like yeah, to yeah. Do. NPCs are story prompts, just like characters are story prompts. <laughs> and I'll also say like if you're looking to like make an NPC that you want your characters to interact with like for a long run, like make some. Somebody that you like playing, make somebody yeah. that is yeah. comfortable for you to play, uh, and then like give them to your players, and don't be afraid, and don't be upset when they just like ruin yeah. your yeah. Also, you know, having a character that's like a bard at a tavern or something, yeah. give people bardic inspiration. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's just it's helpful Bards, without being game. Healers. Yes, without yeah. being game breaking. Somebody that gives them potions or something uh, like battle that. Battle masters who can give people an extra attack. Right. Shit like right that. off right off the bat. It's, Artificers who might be able to tinker with their shit. That's good. Yeah. 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 It's like if you want I, I think more kind of Han Solo-esque characters are probably more fun to play and more fun to meet than like a Luke Skywalker-esque mm-hmm. character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like if you're going into a town or something like that and some little like goblin dude or something has, I always keep saying little goblin dudes because I've got really into doing the little boys. <laughs> I know. But if you, have, goblin era. if you have like a, a, a <laughs> sneaky little dude that just like ran into a potion store and stole a bunch of potions and, and oh runs up and is just goodness. like, cover for me, cover for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to lie to a guard, and then that I'm little then that little dude. For this now. Oh yeah, the little Please dude gives you potions to be like, "Thanks for covering for me." I am yeah, Calliope. You're in your goblin era, and I'm yeah. in my goblin. Love uh, er- I want it. My goblin love era. Yeah, want to collect them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's another great point with NPCs, little guys. Yeah, little just guys, a little yeah. yeah. Hey. Adoptable cowards guys. are also cowards really are fun. fun. It, cowards are fun, and you can do because you, you can, can be an, you can uh, a coward they, without being a bad guy. That's mm-hmm. what I was gonna say. You can have really good people with good intentions, but if they're scared, then the party gets to be like the heroes who are like, okay, okay, we're gonna help you out. Right? Yeah, yeah. You can be like, oh, I saw somebody kind of get dragged off into the woods, and <laughs> I don't know what to do about it. You know, just. You you can have people with flaws, and even if they have flaws that you know might d- typically you know when someone is shown as a coward in a mm-hmm. TV show or something, they usually make them also evil. But it's like somebody could just be a coward, and yeah, like I'm saying, like they could just be scared. Dude, okay. In a fantasy world, it's so easy to be a coward. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> yeah, I saw, I know, I really saw a fucking bugbear, dude. <laughs> cast a fucking spell. Someone cast a spell, dude. <laughs> okay, let's steer this NPC do towards. Mercure Waters. I came up with that one on the fly. Thank you so much. Wow. Really good. Uh, James F. writes, I'm a first time DM for a longer campaign and I'm about to introduce a character who I want to inevitably betray my players. (laughs) Do you have any advice how I could make this NPC especially lovable so it shatters him even harder? Whoa. 
Interesting. I'm trying to think of who I've had betray the party, and number one is Galad, and he's mm-hmm. not very lovable at all. <laughs> yeah, although well, I guess like tie it to someone's backstory. Yeah, maybe. that's it. Yeah, that was really good. tied to people's backstories mm-hmm. are good. This all kind of loops around to the previous thing, where it's just like if if the NPC is like super helpful, like literally yeah. if they just because Galad gave me a sword. So yeah, it's like, that's okay, true. I like this guy. Men- yeah. Mentors are always really. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, good for betraying. Like if someone comes along with like a, a piece of advice or tutelage mm-hmm. that that one of the characters has been looking for. Right. Yeah. yeah I think mm-hmm. I think helping the. I mean, much like what we were just talking about of just like how to make a likable NPC. Ultimately, this is the same thing you want to do is you want to make a likable NPC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for instance. You could have it be completely unexpected. So you have the coward who's like, someone was killed. Someone was killed at the bar, man. (laughs) And then you find out that that dude was the murderer later. You know what I mean? So you can Mm -hmm. flip it. You can have someone who is super low status that then turns out that they were pulling the strings all along. That's an option. Mm -hmm. Another way to sort of you know hide the fact that somebody is, is going to betray the party later is to have them be helpful. If they're giving mm-hmm. bardic inspirations, if they give somebody a weapon or an upgrade or something like that, that's mm-hmm. ultimately going to be more of a smokescreen. Oh, you're so right. That's yeah, going to be more yeah. of a smokescreen than just they're being like, they like be? they're yeah. good. They're good guys. Look there's at this paladin. He's good. That's not helpful. There's but, also yeah. like so many ways to like phrase NPCs backstory that make yeah. it sound really sympathetic. Yeah. yeah. So it's really taking like what's the... Like, what's the actual bad thing they're planning on doing? Now, how do I write that in a way that makes them seem like the victim? You know? Mm -hmm. Or they could, I mean, they could fully have a sympathetic backstory and just Mm -hmm. their way of solving their problems is against whatever the party is going for. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, they've they've lost everything and they're not going to lose anything else. Yeah, there Mm -hmm. you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just like, I must protect this town or something like that. But picture that in a goblin voice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lose anything else. (laughs) Sorry, I stole everything from you guys. A troll stole all my bananas. (laughs) No one's going to steal more of my bananas. Time to come back to come back, combatters up. Uh, we've got. <laughs> That's <laughs> Sorry, good. That's just... good. Uh, combatters up. Okay, we're going to power through. Han asks Hello, I've been DMing for a while. My party is getting up in the levels. And one thing I'm always trying to figure out in regards to encounter balance. How often should I be knocking people unconscious? I feel like knocking players out makes encounters feel more urgent and can lead to some really cool character moments, but I also don't want to constantly be playing whack-a-mole and demoralize Mm. my party by constantly having someone down or take the stakes away from someone being at zero and making death saves. Totally. Mm. Yeah. I think there's like multiple ways to make someone unconscious and by that I mean take them out of the battle without mm-hmm. like physically knocking them out. Okay. Um, you know, it's it's the classic like Spider-Man thing where it's just like, ah, there's a burning building over there, but this train is derailing over here. Which uh-huh. would you choose, Spider-Man? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give, give I, them more options. Yeah, I think, I mean, we, we've, we've talked about this and our show has evolved to like a lot of our combats if they end up being, you know, like a, a mortal combat where people are trying to kill each other or something like that, there's usually is another objective. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just like we're trying to get 
beyond this castle wall or something like that. So then fighting is just a byproduct of you got caught while you were trying to climb the wall. Mm -hmm. Um, And that makes it so the stakes aren't just that everyone's trying to knock each other out. The stakes are whether or not you're found. You know what what I mean? And that, that fight can be interesting you know, a bunch of higher level characters that are just a bunch of a couple of guards and knights because during the fight, some of those knights are doing dash actions to run, to go blow a horn, to bring more people like that. You know what I mean? So there's tension there without it having to be like, okay, I need to do 200 damage to this barbarian to finally get him down when he's raging. I think that's a great call is that like making an objective that is external from the HP of the characters is a way to have stakes and like that feel as urgent as someone getting knocked out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just in, in a lot of our recent combats and I won't, I won't spoil campaign three cause that's a little fresher, but like, you know, we recently had a thing where you guys were being chased before that there was a thing where you guys were chasing somebody. Mm-hmm. And then before that, you know, like there was those. like, a, especially with yeah. Saul as a monk. Oh Yeah. It's yeah. so fun. It's a forward. great way to... Then there's an encounter where somebody's trying to steal something from you guys. Uh-huh. Then there's... Before that, there's a boss fight, and that's the one where people are getting knocked out. Mm-hmm. But before that, it was a sneak mission, and mm-hmm. it was trying to get in and everything. Yeah. So, God, you know, I love a sneak mission. Yes, yeah, sneak mission. probably my favorite part of the game. Yeah. I think my favorite part is when a sneak mission goes wrong. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. that's... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Parker writes, how do I elevate my descriptions? I constantly feel like I have absolutely no detail for my setting or for my combat. Oh, interesting. Well, you got to be careful with your descriptions because your players will instantly latch on to one thing and then (laughs) inspect it. Be like, what do you mean he's got a little hat? (laughs) I said helm. I said helm. (laughs) (laughs) I I think if you... I said helm. I said helm. I said helm, you fucking dickheads. I said helm, I swear. Uh, I want to try and steal the helm. Okay, fine. He's got a hat on under the helm. I have a plus 12 to sleight of hand. Okay. Um, Yeah, I I would say if you're struggling with descriptions and stuff, definitely write up ahead of time what the characters look like or like mm-hmm. M was saying before or, or like Caldwell was saying where he like draws the characters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like I would, I would, you know, if you're not a great artist, print out monsters so that you can yeah. kind of look at them and yeah. describe them. It's, it's kind of that simple. Yeah, so then you can kind of like, you're not having to conjure the image in your head and then describe it. If you have a little picture, mm-hmm. then you can kind of just work from that. Yeah. I think there's also like, don't be ashamed of like just having a PowerPoint presentation where you're like, this is kind of what I was thinking this character looks like. Or like, this is kind of what I think this location looks like. And you throw up like kind of a reference picture or something like there's that. There's also a lot of monsters include a description. Yeah. yeah. Them. Like mm-hmm. I would say use those adjectives liberally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're there to take something off your plate. Yeah, and I think just in terms of making combat sound a little bit more like interesting or something like that, once you've thought about it for a little bit, you you start to get the hang of it where it's like instead of just being like, okay, you attack 
and you miss, mm -hmm. uh, or you attack and they block it or something like that. It's just like, mm. yeah, you go and you swing your sword forward and they do kind of a uh, backwards handspring and jump back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you say something like that for a character that's like a monk, or if it's a big character like a giant, then you show their strength. You say mm. like, you go, you swing your sword and you see he catches it in his gauntlet that sparks as soon as it uh, hits. Yeah. This can also be a conversation. You can yeah. ask your player like, okay, like you what is that? Look like. What does that look yeah. like? Oh, that's yeah. such good advice that's, as that's well. That's excellent advice because yeah. then that doesn't put all the improv on you. Uh -huh. You're like, what does that look like as you swing your sword at this person? Yeah. I think D&D is all about getting that yes dude moment. Yeah. Where like your player describes something, you're like, yes dude, that is absolutely what happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're really getting amped and like, going back and forth and getting each other hyped up. Yeah. yeah I think I think that's fantastic mm -hmm. advice because a lot of times, and also you'll be guaranteeing that you're doing exactly what the player is excited about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, there's something almost, I don't know, It's it sounds almost like, medical or something it's it's it, when people are just saying things that they're reading from like their stat uh, sheet yeah if somebody's just like i use the dash action and then i'm going to grapple them it's just like very kind of boring mm -hmm. and even just changing a couple words instead of saying you dash after him and grapple him if you say you run down the hall and tackle him that's just more interesting yeah, yeah. you know what i mean oh, that's interesting. so just I, take it out of D&D speak, essentially. This mm -hmm. is kind of related to, I read this question, but I did not flag it. So forgive me to the submitter. They were saying, when I'm in combat, I'm uh, very, very focused and I'm having a hard time role playing within the combat. Mm. The the DM was asking that question. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just tough. It is tough. And I would, I would definitely suggest, you know, we were talking about before, if you are prepped ahead of time, if you've got mm -hmm. your initiative sheet... I even roll initiative for characters ahead of time often. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah, so they're already on the stat sheet yeah. uh, if you know that they're going to get into this fight. You or, mean like monsters or Yeah, NPCs. yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'll gotcha. have I'll have them already printed out. Mm -hmm. Um and then if you've got all of your monsters printed out, if you've got your uh sheet already filled out for initiative if you've got the damage for all, all your characters already down, mm -hmm. that leaves everything open. Would you, know you I mean? say that reviewing a monster's abilities ahead of time would help you yeah, role play more so that you're not mm. having to read them on the fly? It's Obviously, that would be yeah. an ideal situation and there's going to be a lot of times when you're just whipping a monster out. It's definitely but do you ever helpful. do you ever do that? Like, do, do you ever like be like, okay, I'm about to have a session last minute. I'm going to like review what this monster can do. Yes, mm -hmm. definitely. Mm -hmm. I think knowing your monsters well is helpful, but then also just taking a moment. I think sometimes people get caught up in the fact that, you know, a round is supposed to only be six seconds or something like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. But that's just getting too much into the weeds. Ultimately, when it comes to a character's turn or an NPC's turn or a monster's turn, take a beat and feel free to role play in that moment. Yeah. Like, like we've talked about if your BBEG is going to give a speech or something, do it in initiative mm -hmm. and have it. It's like at initiative 17, you see the death knight begins walking towards you and uh, sort of swinging his sword as he gives this speech or something like that. Mm -hmm. I also think you can take more of a like pick up basketball approach and just be okay. kind of like shit talking in character. Yeah. That's like true if there's too. a down Ooh. moment, just like kind of like chat with your players, you know, in the same way, like it doesn't have to be like 
purely story driven just kind uh-huh. of like you know egg them on shit talk them a little bit like I in, love in the persona of a villain yeah and just like see if that'll like because that'll, that'll keep everybody talking that'll keep like the the action moving while everyone's like looking at their spells and stuff like that yeah. there's gonna be a lot of like gaps and pauses so like just yeah. try and fill it yeah. Yeah. yeah that's great yeah I also think yeah compartmentalizing stuff makes it a lot easier to stay organized so if you're feeling overwhelmed while you're in a fight and you're like I'm not doing much role play it's mm-hmm. like leave it till their turn and then when it's their turn be like what is this character thinking what are they doing and that might make it a little bit easier if just like i'm not going to worry about this fire giant until we get to him in the initiative order you know when that happens he'll say something you know what i always like too and because the uh, parker was asking about like elevating descriptions in combat Mm. i think that when it's okay you know caldwell it's your turn giving a little bit of a description to put them into that moment, being like, Mm -hmm. you're standing here, two people are down. Yeah. You're covered in blood. I think any like anytime that you describe like for for me as a player, anytime you describe like smells or tactile sensations, I feel like that is very evocative for me. Yeah. So I think that like sometimes when you're like thinking about describing visuals, that can be limiting. Whereas if you start to be like Okay, the stench of this sulfurous infernal fireball is stinging your nose. Like flame flickers off of his tiny hat. (laughs) (laughs) I think, yeah. Also, the smell of tiny (laughs) hats burning. The, uh, the smoke from all the burning tiny (laughs) hats stings your eyes. All my tiny hats. <laughs> we are running out of time, but we have so many more questions. So I'm going to try and do two quick ones. Cool. Okay. This is from a section called Trying to Itemize. Please advise. Uh, Carly C writes, How do you dole out cursed items without feeling like a jack wagon? They're Ooh. fun and interesting story wise, but of course it can seem like handing them to a PC is less than a gift. Do you discuss it beforehand or hope it goes somewhat well? You know, I think that we uh, we did one in campaign three. Yeah. And I think you just you you make them an offer they can't refuse. <laughs> <laughs> it, it should have some big upside or mm-hmm. it's something that you know a character could take along with them and then it's something that could help them in a mm. in a bind Ooh, you know yeah, what i yeah. mean i think carly is maybe even asking like is it okay to give them a cursed item that they don't know is cursed definitely <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you know what? There's an investigation check for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think they can. If people want to investigate it or something like that, Uh maybe they can find it out. But it's okay if people are just like, yeah, I see a bunch of treasure and I scoop it up. It's Mm -hmm. definitely okay to have something in there that Mm -hmm. is, you know what? Maybe here's what I would suggest. I would have a cursed item have bigger implication in the in the story. Or like a, a bigger okay. impact on the story. If you just put some, like there's a um, there's an item that's called like a bag of devouring. That's like the opposite of a bag of holding that just eats everything that you put uh-huh. in the bag. Yeah, that's not very fun. It's, yeah. if, if, if you guys are just like, I look in my bag, 
all of it's gone. The bag was cursed. It ate all your shit. And you're just like, okay, yeah, fuck you, I guess. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but but if, you know, a rogue gets like a cool dagger and then later on you find out that it was cursed by the god that the main evil paladin is working mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. that feels a lot cooler. And that yeah. tie, that that's like a fun thing for like a villain to hold over their head so i would just i would tie it into the main story mm-hmm. and as long or, as it feels like a fun story beat i think it's cool based on what you said it also makes me think that cursed items are more satisfying even if it's not tying to the main story if it's a true reflection of the place they found it yes like yes. if you're in an arch phase uh bed chambers yeah and, and you steal it and from you them. steal something like well there's fey magic there if you're in a necromancer's garden well you know the plants here might have some tricky properties right. to them. Yes. And as you said that, I got um, Octopus's Garden in my head, yeah. but Necromancer's Garden. <laughs> Necromancer's Garden. I that was like the first be. draft of it. <laughs> 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 trying, to, trying to write it right now. It's Cadavery. Not, yeah. <laughs> That's good. (laughs) Um, Gosh, that's great. Yeah, I think like purely just like making it something that they need to help their friends and help the story along. Mm -hmm. And like there's no other way to succeed. Uh, just like wedge them between a rock and a hard place with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only way out. I feel like if you're going to give just a straight up cursed item Mm -hmm. then it should be there for character growth for a uh character who is perhaps being a bit too liberal with stealing things yeah right (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like you should with cursed items you should go really small or big you know what i mean there shouldn't Mm -hmm. be anything in the middle like if you want to if it's just a funny cursed item that it's just like a thing that fills with ale, but the ale tastes like shit or something like that. Like that's fine. And that's just funny. Um, and, or you do, you do something silly or you do something big where it ties into Mm -hmm. the main story or it opens up a new story track where it's like, yeah, you've got this arch fade that's mad at you or something like Mm -hmm. that. That's all really cool. And that gives characters room for character growth versus, you know, the bag of devouring eats your plus one sword. She's like, Okay. Yeah, and and you just randomly got that bag uh, in like nowhere important. Right, and even makes sense that it would be there. I think like one of the most basic cursed items. There's like an uh, a living suit of armor in the DM's guide. That's like if you put it on, you can't take it off, and it like is kind of just like eating away at you. Yeah. If you present that as just a suit of armor that you can't ever take off, and it just kind of sucks. That's bad, and that sucks. But if there's like a demon inside of it, that's like. I will consume you. Mm-hmm. That becomes cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Venom rules. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, let's finish it off with praise in the stakes. Miles writes, <laughs> to the respected DMs of NADPOD, I am a longtime forever DM who currently runs four campaigns on and yes! off. Damn. I have run these four campaigns, each Hero. anywhere from two to five years long, set in a homebrew high fantasy setting with Very encroaching cool. eldritch threats. I have each party at different continents and set to handle various invading threats from the outer planes. I will, however, be having a number of these individuals over this summer for my graduation celebration of sorts and from undergrad should i or slash how would you suggest bringing them together to play (gasps) a canon one shot of sorts considering that all of them are of varying levels age groups 
and experience levels. I await any wisdom and guidance that you may provide. Lots of love, Miles. Yeah. Hmm. The level thing is tough because uh-huh. I, we talked about this on the most recent D&D court is not this exact thing happened, but somebody brought a friend to uh, to another one of their games and the other player was like a way higher level. Yeah. yeah. And that's always tough. So I would... Definitely encourage you to make sure that whatever the goal is of the session, mm-hmm. A, there's not going to be PvP. You don't yeah, want the yeah, yeah. high-level players to just pick on the lower-level players. And maybe maybe if it's not a traditional fight, right? Because in a traditional yeah, fight, yeah. The, the varying level levels players. are going to be really, really obvious of like, yeah. oh, you do so much damage, and I'm just a, I'm a little yeah. bigger. Yeah, you could also, like, I, I don't know how much you want this to, like, impact the entire world. It's and, like, canon. It's a canon event okay and in one shot of sorts okay so maybe you have uh i feel like i think back to like uh the watcher in campaign one yeah we've got kind of like a rogue god or something that maybe like draws them into a demi plane to like mm-hmm. feast on them or something like that so like maybe some people are leveled up maybe some people are leveled down to get like more of like a mixture uh like and it's like only it's kind of like a one-time event in this mm-hmm. special space i'm thinking of like a cue from star trek like a mischievous yeah. god trying to like use their power for their own like I, to like, shift the cosmic balance i wonder about a little heist yeah. yeah, a little yeah. heist feel. A heist feels like a way to get mm-hmm. people of different levels involved without the disparity of levels being so obvious. Mm-hmm. It also feels fun that like everyone had to dispatch someone to like. There's one item. It's not like it's not a magic item that someone's gonna wear. It's like an item that they have to keep out of someone's hands, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. like a little heist that they all go on together. Astral Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that I think, feels like it could be a good way to yeah. juggle age range, different age ranges and levels. And yeah, I think catering it to like the lower level party, maybe yeah, doing an encounter that plays to their strengths. So mm-hmm. like I'm saying, like if there's like a rogue in the party, or if there's like a bard in a rogue or something like that, reward that kind of play maybe more than if you know the other party has like a level 12 barbarian it's just like the level 12 Uh barbarian will figure out a way to fucking (laughs) help like they're just strong as hell they'll they'll do it yeah um in general heist it's like there will be a little bit of combat there's mm -hmm. gonna be a chance to yeah sling but like it's never expected like oh we're gonna go through like enter like huge combat for that yeah yeah, I'm picturing like a three ring circus style thing where you've got like, you know, people at the front gate battling and then you've got people like working on like hacking the security system. You've like, yeah. literally got like multiple grids going. Yeah. I, yeah, that's a good idea, too, of like splitting the party and mm-hmm. or, or like taking this huge group and bringing them all together. But I think having different objectives that need to be yes. done at the yeah. same time yeah. or even is like, a really fun way to handle it. Even if you didn't want to do heist, even like infiltrating some sort of gathering. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like everyone can find a way to infiltrate yeah. and be like a little bit working together. I would even work in a mechanic that's like, hey, these two rituals or something are happening at the same time. Ooh, yeah. So, you know, there's, I don't know, like level eight party and a level 14 party or something. And the level 14 wizard's just like, cool, I'm just gonna uh, teleport over to the other thing. It's like, you already have a mechanic in place maybe that's like, cool, uh, if you try to do both things, you get a level of exhaustion or something. I'd, I'd take a moment to think of something more elegant than that solution, but like essentially punishing players if they try to really multitask mm-hmm. to make it so that the lower level players do have something to do. So yeah. people higher level can't just go one shot the you know easier ritual. That's and there is a spell, I took it for Court of Fae and Flowers that basically makes it so that everyone can be 
uh, talking to each other. So if you have a heist and you're putting the lower levels in like maybe an easier area and the higher levels in a harder area, there is a spell. I'm going to look it up right now. Mm. Or maybe you even have it that it's literally a mission where the higher level party needs to protect the lower level party. But it's someone in the, you know, it's almost like Lord of the Rings. It's almost like literally Frodo's the only one that can hold the one ring. Oh, and Aragorn's higher too. level. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Frodo's the one that's got to get to Mount Doom. So it's like, maybe you do that. Maybe the lower level party get some kind of cursed item or only that person is able to finish whatever job it is. Uh, and that puts the higher level characters in a place where they're like, okay, well, we've got to get this, you know, mm -hmm. level seven rogue into this fire giant encampment. How are we going to do that? And then everyone gets to solve the problem together. Uh, the spell is called Telepathic Bond. It's a fifth level wizard ritual spell. So you could always have an NPC being like, I'm giving this to yeah. you guys. Nice. And so that then there's still role play throughout because everyone's essentially That's got an headsets. earpiece to talk to each yeah. other. That's so good. Also, yeah. if you're a part of this party and you're going to this event, you need to be buying so many cakes and pizzas for your friend <laughs> who's putting this together. I yeah. know. This, this is sounds a heroic so effort. fun, Miles. Yeah. And I think that everyone's going to freaking love it. Yeah. And it's also going to be really interesting. I would give them some time to share information with each yeah. other because mm -hmm. it's probably going to blow their minds to be like, Oh, you're from this part of the world and that's happening there? We're having this this is going on where yeah, we yeah. are. That sounds truly. It sounds very so sick. Fun. It sounds super fun. Yeah. yeah. Set aside the evening. This is gonna be a long one yeah. show. It's gonna this be is, an awesome one this shot. This is super rad. Yeah. I would definitely the biggest thing is definitely just make sure the lower level parties are important. Yeah. Yeah. Th totally, that's totally. like kind of the big thing. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, okay. Cool. And with that, we're going to wrap this one up, but we've got a lot more questions. Yeah, a lot more questions. A lot mm -hmm. of good ones, too. We're not closing the screen We're just not closing yet. the screen. You can still squeak behind <laughs> if you're over on our Patreon. Uh, we'll behind be entering, the squeak. We'll, Careful. You can head on over and check out more behind the squeaks over at uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash nadpod. That's N-A-D-D-P-O-D. -D -D. Don't sing wee, yet. Wee. Don't do it. Please don't wee, do wee, it. Wee, wee. Please don't do it. That's <laughs> terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible stuff. Um, anyway, um, we've got some stuff to plug. We've got a bunch of live shows. Uh, oh, so yeah, uh, head on over to nadpod.com slash live to get tickets. We are going on tour uh, September, October, November. Mm -hmm. uh, so check us out in the fall. Um, be on the lookout for that. Uh, in the meantime, anybody else have anything they'd like to plug? I would like to plug or shout out uh, Robert who sent the Old Kingdom by Garth Nix box set to our P.O. box. Mm. I've been reading Sabriel. Mm. Uh, I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it. So that's how I've been pronouncing it in my head, and I'm loving it. It's nice. great. That's rad. Thanks, Thank you. Robert. Thank you, Robert. Yeah. Uh, and I would love to plug uh, my friend Raj, who I mentioned before, who's been uh, DMing a little like limited series for me. Uh, he's on Instagram and he does really fun art and comics. You can find him at Raj Brueggemann on Instagram. That's uh, Brueggemann with two G's and two N's. And mm -hmm. he DMs with an orb. He does have, yeah, he's the orb DM. Wow. That's very cool. <laughs> if you go on TikTok, he's at the orb DM. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and with that, we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, you can follow us on social media that we may or may not use, at CHMurfs Me, at Caldy's Caldwell, and at Eaxford's Emily. And you can tweet about the show using hashtag NADPOD. That's N-E-D-D-P-O-D. We, we are, we are, the youth of the nation. We are, we are, the youth of the nation. I was confused, but now I know you're squeaking. Oh, we were squeaking.
Well, 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 it is time to thank our benevolent Council of Elders, starting with Brad D., Jeffrey S., Hugh C., Later Mix Skater, Matt M., Cutter W., Feared Al., Daniel G., Dungeon Mama, OK, Maybe a Little Bit Sexual, Danielle The Dastardly Dame, Beardman Dan, Danny P., Vincent W., Victor T., Balnor's Boy, Hoyd's Friend, Justin I., Ragnar Fairdwin, TJ M., Trele The Cray, Disselaneous, Christopher B., Damiel R., Jordan L., Cyborg Version of Josh the Kobold, Another Cyborg Version of Josh Josh the Kobold, Princess Yar, Michael L, Jack L, Sam L, Nicholas C, star of every film ever made in Bohemia, now starring as a tin of beans in Hard One's reality show, Airship Interiors. Nice. Samuel B, Mike H, Alka Smeltzer Plus, Great Value Gemma, Adam G, Tyler F, Panama James, Andrew the Druid, Heradrian, Rex Daniel the White, Diana D, L, L, C, C, Lulu, Timmy R, Lucas B, Rako, It's Kevin, Calder Will Come, Cold Again, Winter Is Coming, Hashtag CCC Forever. Shout out to my fairy followers, Taylor B, The Vengeful, One Winged Angel, Cass, Skateboard Cass, Captain of the Stevens, Stephen C, Mike K, Lady Taco, Joy T, Jake L, Nick W, Swashbuckling Swag Snagger, Foster the Queerest Duck, Wishing Everyone a Happy Pride. Hell yeah. William W, Big Bad Beardo the Mad, Eric McD, Riot Ryan, Hungry Daves, Frisbee, Golf Bud, Anna Rama, Percival Frederickstein, Von Muscle, Klawowski, De Rolo the Third, Adam the Simple, Dimples, J Dragonborn, Vincent Thrum as you are, Daniels, the Sandrayan, Ben A, Dave H, Catherine S, David K, Christian S, Dustin S, Connor F, Hawkeye Pierce, Bookfar's assistant, Izzy F, DPC is awesome, Sean, the Shade Tree, Mechanic of Zelbeldar, Summer Rose Gruntier, Marky Mark, the Marvelous Mining Engineer, Cat C, Kel Slay, Misa of House and Zunza, Ariel, the Occasional Mermaid, Selena N, aka Valacy Raptor, B Perky Always, Pat L, Savexel, Achutha A, Lauren H, Talia, Ryan S, the Bone Duster, Ball Business Illustrator, Ploops, Carly A, Addie K, Connor Savage, Salil Leviathan, Bioquart 7, Amber Dextrous, Sullivan H, Trubhop Dropper, Sydney T, Jack H, Crabster, Champion of Crod, Scuttling Sideways Towards Tomorrow, Afrex, Lindsay W, Juicy Kiwi, Valen, Carlin C, Emily S, Noah, The Bagel, of all things, James G, Everything Bago, The Aladrin Who Just Wants to Hang Out with His Pet, Badger, Stripey, Dandy, Eric B, Marcos P, Learns the Balance, Druid, Dakota, JP, Frida M, Pagos, Betrothed, Self-Proclaimed, Faye Prince, Tracy P, The Crick Elf, Librarian, Andy E, Holly H, Kristen Z, Leah C, Hunter H, Maybe, Pixel Stars, Akash, Thakar, Cal, Just Cal, Commodore Galaxy, Edison N, Russell H, A Monk Named Dilgo, Yes, The Whole Thing, Yes, Every Time, Our Friend Simon in Dreamland, Reperforming His Puppet Show for Olivia and Meg, Oh, That's What He'd Meant, Keychains, Pentium 2, Processor, Awesome, Lorelei, the Succubus, and Kira, her busty queen, your friendly neighborhood Yaunt and Yunkle, Andrew and Sid, John Adams, yes, like the president, Meg the mail carrier of Bohemia, who has gotten promoted due to her superb service to Simon, okay, James F., M4L Austin S. Wayfarer has now settled into their new life in the Fey Realm as a florist. What could go wrong? Barpo Good Barrel, Bardbarian and Brewer Emeritus of Water Deep, Mary B. C. Melora Devotee, Calateron, 
Welshlander, Garrett G, One Big Curd, Mr. D, Dana the Daisy, Sean J, Ethan B, Renee the Monster Captain, Gabrielle W, Rinker Bell, Box, Clifton the Once and Medium King, Hope's Dagger, the only dagger of hope, Olivia the Enchanting Bard, who is working hard on her audition for the lead singer of The Mounting Crows, Winter Slade, Forest H, aka Life is Like a Box of Martha Togold, Sticky Buns, Riley S, Fico, Angry Wheat, Anthony Murphboy, and his Tally Whacker, John H, Jack R, Mango Empanadas, Trogdor, The Burninator, Clementine T, Caleb LS. This message has been brought to you by Fairies in support of hashtag CCC. Alex R, Bunker Master and Player Disaster, Cantrip Dumbledore, The Bear Onesie Wearing Barbarian, MJ, BFG, Drinking Tea, By the Sea, Dogs of Babel, Calvius Silverfang, Gino T, Mama B, the Silver Serpent herself, please save my subterranean son. Funir, Dr. Talkus, Bow, Chicka Wow, Wow, Derek D, Tristan G, Leon K, legendary hero of Bohemia from a future campaign. Jazzman and Fam, Pawpaw's elite team of lawyers currently representing Emily in the case of Yabba Dabba Do No Sir Yabba Dabba Don't. Alex K, Joshua P, Joshua S, Linz W, Emma S, Red the Reforged, Warforged, Mr. Craft, the Godly King, Hard One's Hot Hump Gunk, oh my god, Shell B now made it 2019, chasing the two crew back to 2023, avoided the honey trap and smoked a bowl with Alanis, Jake S, Prayton S, Jackson R, T3R, HX, Michelle, Andrew S, Caitlin D, Z, Boar, Blake H, Big Bev's Bestie, Lloyd the Rat that controls my cerebellum, Opa Remy from Ratatouille style, Shelby C, and Papa Sky Days. Thank you, everybody. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>